once again, they say that you're never supposed to follow up dog tricks or little kids. Uh, Pate, you killed it this morning, and uh, that's what it's all about. Nothing compares to him. And that's why we're here today. And just like with the sound equipment, I've talked with several others this morning. Uh, I'm telling you, I don't know if you sense it. I know some do. But God's stirring the hearts at East Side. And uh, Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't like it a bit. And uh, this morning on several fronts, he's done little things, threw up little roadblocks and tried to use things. But I am so thankful for a church that sees it for what it is and says, no, we're going to keep going because Jesus, there's nothing better than you. And that's, that's where we're turning today. Now, we're going to do the same thing a different way this morning. We're going to continue the story of Exodus in the book of Numbers. You understand that that's not a play on words, right? The, exodus, the book is named after the, the historical action. They left Egypt. It was their exit, the exodus, and then they continued. I always love using this on people that say, you know, uh, God doesn't care about numbers. Uh, God cares about people. Number one, every person that we put on a Sunday school role and we count that role is a person. And every number that we record of baptisms in a year is a person who's given their life to Christ and has been obedient in believer's baptism. Every number that we count in worship is a person. Numbers matter to God, number one, because they're people. We see in Acts, 3,000 saved. We see 12 apostles. We see 5,000 fed. We see numbers used over over and over and over again, but if that's still not enough for you, he named an entire book after it called Numbers. And I want us to look there today. Uh, if you're anywhere close to my generation and maybe even much younger, uh, someone, your parent or grandparent, told you somewhere along life's journey or asked you the question, posed a rhetorical question to you and said, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you jump off of it too? Talking about the crowds and talking about following the majority. And so often we get trapped in our minds. There have been wars. There have been millions of people died because they felt like they needed to be with the majority. And we often hear the words, the majority rules. But you know what? In the economy of God, though there may be a majority that seems to be ruling, that are making decisions, God still rules. And so along the exodus, somewhere along the journey, now think they have already seen God give them water out of the rock. God, they have seen every single day except for on the Sabbath, manna fall from heaven. 
they saw that same manna that would not last more than that day last two days when it came to the Sabbath. They had saw God part the Red Sea. They had seen God do some of the most miraculous things that any people on the face of the earth have ever seen. And yet, they still were not convinced. So goes the church of the living God today. I want us to look at forward, not reverse. And by the way, I picked out this picture for a reason. I want you to really study that picture. And tell me, I want to hear from you. Tell me something you see maybe or don't see you, that's missing. Something that's not on that switch. Neutral. There is no neutral. It's either forward or reverse. There is no neutral. In the army of God, we're either marching forward or we're, not, we're backing up. And as we said from the first message, anything but ahead is backward. Anything but ahead is backward. And I'm going to tell you, in the spiritual walk of life, if I can make a golf analogy, that is a switch out of a golf cart. And on the golf course, you know, and all the golf etiquette, and everything's quiet. There's nothing worse than to exit your golf cart, go up to the tee box, and someone pulls up behind you and they're being quiet, but then they think, oh, I'm too close or I'm going to go around, and they put it in reverse, and it's as loud as a garbage truck, and it's just meh, meh, meh. Well, I'm telling you today, God is giving us a warning that too often in our life right now, God is beeping as loud as he can in the spirit through our lives saying, you're backing up, stop, and switch gears and move forward. I want you to look with me in Numbers 13. Numbers 13. He said in verse 1 and 2, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From every tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? The first thing I want you to understand is, it was not about Moses. It was the Lord who spoke. God is speaking into our lives today. You say, well, I thought there was no new prophecy, and there's not. But my friends, we've got all we'll ever need. We have the verbal plenary inspiration. God breathed this word through the prophets and through those who wrote it down and scribed it onto paper so that you and I today can read, thus saith the Lord. God told it from the beginning. God is still telling us today. And we need to hear what the Lord has to say. You know, the songs this morning, and I joked with the praise team, I said, man, I thought Hank, Hank Sr. was up here singing this morning. Uh, because that's one. those are some of my dad's favorite songs. And I saw the light. And I, I still love to hear the old recordings of, of Hank Williams Sr. singing that. Uh, and there's such a message about that, of seeing 
who Jesus is and listening to what he has to say. I'll never forget the overwhelming, and I couldn't explain it then, but the older I get, the more I understand through the word of God how clear the Holy Spirit spoke to my life through men and women who taught me the word of God, and I heard the Spirit tell me, you're lost, and there is no hope, and you need to give your life to me. You must repent of your sins. You cannot stay the same and walk with me. Now, when I realized that, I'm going to be honest with you, the only thing I heard was, don't go to hell. Trust Jesus and have everlasting life. My friends, he tells them right here, go where I send you. Go where I send you. He, he told them, go, I'm sending you, but go where I tell you to go. Now, have you ever sent your, your teenager to the store for you? And a, a, a trip that would take you seven minutes flat to go to the Dollar General and uh, get what you need and get home took about 42 minutes. You're like, what, where you been? Well, I went to the Dollar General. Well, where else you go? Well, I saw so-and-so. And I ran up through this and I rode through the car wash and I did all this. And listen, when God speaks to our life, we must put blinders on to the things of the world because I'm telling you, the world is flashy, the world is shiny. But what we need to do is go exactly where God is sending us. And God's calling us all over this building to be sent to specific ministries within this church. God is sending us and has sent Eastside to partner with that church in Solala, Guatemala to encourage them. And Lord's willing, we're planning to go back and be on the field this July. God's calling men to go to the men's ministry retreat. God's calling youth to go there and to grow. And it's not just about hooping it up for a few days, but to be equipped in the fellowship of our brothers, our sisters, and other people to be everything God wanted us to be. He didn't send one. He sent the lead man from every tribe. Now, no doubt there were millions there, but he said, you're responsible. Men, I'm here to tell you, it's time to step up, step out, and hear what God's got to say to you that we lead our families to Jesus. Go where he sends you. And th this is good now. He said, send men to spy out the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. You know, it's a shame that too many of us are not receiving what God's trying to give us. God's given us spiritual giftedness. Now, see, we term blessings as financial or health. But some of the people who have screamed the loudest of God's blessings are the people who had very little or suffered greatly in the body. The Apostle Paul was constantly buffeted with a thorn in the flesh, and yet we hear him talk about his joy in counting everything in this world but loss for the excellency of Jesus Christ. Man, did you hear the words Pate sang this morning? 
where he, he, he talked about graves to gardens, beauty for ashes. I mean, those words just overwhelm me sitting there and listening to those words and how God doesn't just come in and, and, and do a little remodel and change the way our spiritual kitchen looks and update our bathroom. He demolishes our old and builds absolutely perfectly new. Get what he gives you. We can spend so much time worrying about tomorrow that we miss the blessings of the day. Can I tell you something right now in the midst of COVID? And I speak from personal experience. I've told you this several times. There's been a few times since last March where I said, can I taste? Can I smell? Do I, you know, and I see the damage. Yes, let me reiterate something. COVID is real. And it's something we must absolutely respect and do our dead level best. But I'm telling you, God is even more real. And I, I want to share something else with you. We can worry so much about getting COVID today that we forget to live. It's like some old writer said one time, said that Mr. Smith was died at 30, was buried at 70. He spent his whole life just dead, not enjoying the blessings that God had given him. Listen, Oswald Chambers, that great writer and devotionalist said, faith, faith is deliberate confidence. You have to pray for it. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. God, I don't understand this, but I believe you're telling me this. I feel your presence to direct me to be everything I should be. <coughs> we must in faith and confidence trust that no matter what the outcome, if God is leading us there, God has a purpose. The Lord spoke. That should be enough for us, right? I know I've told my kids that. If you're a parent, the, the, the absolute last thing you ever want to hear when you tell your child to do something is why? Why? And what is your standard? You think you're young and hip and cool? I can promise you, you said, because I said so. Because that is the stand, standard right parental answer. Doesn't matter why. What matters is I told you do it. We need to listen when God said, because it don't make any sense sometimes. It makes absolutely no sense. But that which is illogical to us is perfect in the will of God. For his ways are not our ways. We're not God. Can you tell me what's going to happen tomorrow? Can you tell me how many, uh, how many spots is on a leopard? Or number the hairs on your head? My friends, the Lord spoke. Go where he sends you. Get what he gives you. You know what happened? Very simple. Moses sent. It said in verse 3, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran 
according to the command of the Lord. Oh, that that would be our testimony. That we would send and go based solely on God's command. Not what Brother Matt says is the final answer. Not what the deacons say. The, I, I talk with pastors all the time. They say, well, I just don't know if, if the deacons will do this. And I don't know if the older people will do this. I don't know if the younger people will do this. It does not matter if that's what God said do. My friends, Moses sent them. You see, he was obedient in truth. When God speaks truth into our life through his word and through our meditation on who he is when we pray. You know, prayer's a two-way street. Do you know that? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that wouldn't talk back? If my daughter's trying to talk to me and, and I'm doing something and I don't respond immediately, her answer is good talk and leaves. As a slap at me for not listening. Good talk. You know, sometimes we pray and we pray, oh God, heal this and help this and do this and touch this and we'll post praying hands and we'll talk about praying, praying, praying. But you know what? Prayer is not just asking. Prayer is telling you're God, I'm not. And then it's listening. What does God have to say to me? Moses listened and he was obedient in truth. What is your life telling others? Does your life resemble God and his commands in your life? When people look at your life, do you see obedience? Now I want to go back to Pate this morning. Because listen, number one, it takes a lot of courage to do what he did. Right? But that courage doesn't even compare to the courage to start again twice because of different things. And yet, didn't phase him. Just kept on going and brought honor and glory to his Savior. You know how I can say that? Because he testified of Jesus being his Savior to me and I got to baptize him. My friends, his life told us this morning Hey, I'm just going to trust. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to do it. Oh, to have a childlike faith. I love these children who come with such a full. And listen, I want to give you a big warning. We think it's just about human trafficking. We think it's just about the exploitation of kids in the world and, and, and in pornography and th stuff like this. But I'm going to tell you, in the church... When we stifle the spirit of God in kids because we think we're too mature or we're too cool or we're too, too smart for their simplistic faith, I'm telling you, that is one of the most dangerous things you can do is get between a child and their God. What are you telling others by your life? Listen, they were clear directions. They're very clear directions. Look in verse 3. Moses sent them from the wilderness. Now look at verse 17. Moses sent them. He didn't just say, go down there somewhere, do whatever you want, kick over some rocks, look around just a little bit. It said he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and to say to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains. Now I've been there. I, I can visually see where 
Moses was telling them to go. And I saw and stood. And the original picture on our first slide of this, this year and this series on going forward is a picture of the exact place that Moses told them to cross. The exact place that we read about right here in Numbers is on that picture. If you want to go see it for yourself, we're going, Lord's willing, next February. We'll be announcing that, having an uh, information meeting coming up in the next few weeks. But listen, he said in verse 17, go up this way, go that way, do it this way, see can and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are the camps or the strongholds. Listen, he gave very clear directions. I don't know about anybody else in this room, but this is where I muddy the waters. Because sometimes I automatically think everybody ought to think like I do. Which is really scary if you think about it. And so I don't go into enough detail when I'm saying, do this, do this, this way is the right way. And, and I, I, we need to understand that God has given us very definitive, very clear guidelines that we are to follow. And when we venture out, what if they had never crossed? See, they had to cross the Jordan somewhere to get over there. They had to go up into those mountains. And listen, it's like this. It's very arid. You see that right there? You can see the hills off in a distance. It's not like just, you know what, I'm going to go hop on 280. And we think, man, 280, you've got to go through all those little small towns. and all that. They didn't even have that. Listen, we're flatlanders down here. I mean, up there, that's what always boggled my mind, living where I grew up and then going up through the mountains, the Smoky Mountains and up through there. And I've been through the Shenandoah and been around to some of those Civil War battlefields and think, they only had horses. And they pulled those cannons and the wagons and they marched through this stuff. Man, you're talking about a tough life. And they couldn't just stop real quick and say, hey, listen, we got a long day. Run through McDonald's, get everybody a sausage biscuit. No, they were eating hardtack and maybe some coffee that they had used the same grounds over and over and over again. My friends, I want you to understand, they went with clear directions, but it was a very caring encouragement. God didn't call us to bark orders. God didn't call pastors and leaders in the church to be drill sergeants. God called us to be compassionate servant leaders. He said in verse 20, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there's forest there or not, be of good courage. You know what he's telling them? The whole promise was they're going to the promised land, right? But wasn't that the promise? This was just a temporary journey. And God is telling Moses to tell them, 
Keep your focus, no matter if there's a bunch of trees or no trees, no matter whether the people are kind or whether the people are not, whether they're big and strong or whether they're weak, whether the land seems good or whether it seems bad, be courageous. He cared about them. He wanted the very best for his spies and for his people. We must care. We're not in this just for numbers. We're in here for the numbers, what they represent. It's about people. It's about lives in that youth ministry. It's about lives in those children's ministry. Women, it's about women who are living and breathing that need the encouragement of the Lord. And trust, we need to be encouraging men to one another. We need to let all of our guards down and just be what God has called us to be. Listen, what did they do? They went. I love this. Verse 21 is very clear. So they went up. When we trust the Lord, we'll go up. Y'all with me on that? So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. So they went up. But I want you to understand something. They went with their bodies, but not their hearts. Some of us outwardly are telling the world, yeah, I go to church, and yeah, I go to Sunday school, and yeah, I go to prayer meeting, but inside, our hearts are far from the Lord. God's Word tells us that. About some, He prophesies to us and he says, you know, in, in, in outward looks, you're very close, but inside you're very far from me. I want to ask yourself today, am I where God wants me to be? Because if we're going with God, we can't just go with our bodies. We got to go with our hearts. We've got to go with our hearts. But let, they went with purpose. There was a purpose for them to go, to spy out. But they had no passion. They had no passion because, listen, they couldn't see what was going to happen in two years, five years, ten years. Now, we've just about solidified our vision team, and we'll start meeting either this week or next week as we come together and pray and seek what God wants. And what we want is passion for the Lord, to reach our world for Christ. To reach Claxton, Evans County, the surrounding counties. I'm telling you, a church of lies worth the drive. Why must people drive 25, 30, 40 miles away when there's a church right here doing it well for the cause of Christ? We need to be reaching people. And I'm going to tell you, even if they do, we're not just trying to drag people away from other churches. We're not doing that. What we're trying to do is reach the 80-something percent in Evans County that are unchurched. At over 80%. You'll see in a minute why that shouldn't surprise us. Listen, you can have purpose all day long. You can give. You can be the faithful, most faithful tither. But do you understand that in giving, it's not just about a purpose. It's about passion that we're reaching our world through that. We're able to use that money to support missions, to support ministry here, and to do what God's called us to do. And then I want you to think about something for a minute. 
the saddest thing I believe that I've had to see in ministry is people who come down, fill out a card, shake my hand, get baptized, join the church from another place, and in six months, they're nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. They just, there's no passion. They saw the purpose. Well, that's, you know, I need to do A, B, C, and D. What we need to do is do all the alphabet and surrender to the Lord with passion. And people get distracted by the things. And they say, oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I'm so excited. Look in verse 26. Now they departed. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. We were obedient. We went with purpose. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They had a cluster of grapes. My wife loves to eat grapes. She'll buy grapes at the store. You know, it comes in a bag about that big. It'll be one big cluster of grapes. This cluster of grapes, they hung it on a pole and carried it between two men. So that's embellished. No, it's not. It's actually the symbol of tourism for Israel. And I've seen where they brought out lemons the size of grapefruits. They brought out radishes the size of turnips. And it is amazing in that place that looks so dry and arid. And, and they, the old uh, legend is that when God created the world, that when he sent out the angel with a bag of rocks to scatter across the whole globe, that the bag ripped over Palestine. And all the rocks fell out. Right, it's amazing to go out through there and one day you'll see nothing but, I mean, it won't grow a pine tree. And the sorriest dirt in the world just about will grow a pine tree. It won't grow a pine tree. It's just, just that tan, sandy rock surface. And there will come a light, just a light mist at night. Not, you know, in our world, it, we'd say, ah, oh, it wasn't but two tents. But by two days later, not the next morning, but the following morning, it'll all be green. It'll germinate and grow that fast. God truly blessed that land of promise. But you see, the problem was talk's cheap. They come back and said, oh man, look at these grapes. Place truly is flowing with milk and honey. Man, there's so much. They talked about it is a very fruitful land. We can spend all our time talking about the fruit, not the Lord of the harvest. We can talk about what we did at Eastside. We can talk about what we did in our home. We can talk about all the things that makes us so smart. We went to this school and we went here for vacation. We did all these other things. But what we ought to be doing is bragging about the Lord. See, that's what all those songs did this morning. They bragged on the Lord. And that's whether it's two weeks old or 200 years old. 
Whether we're singing a mighty fortress is our God by Martin Luther or we're singing something by Matthew West, if it lifts up the name of Jesus, it's right. That's our measuring stick. He tells us that we are to sing with not just hymns, but with spiritual songs and with psalms. We ought to be lifting our voice however, whenever, and as much as we possibly can, glorifying the Lord of the harvest. But not only did they talk about the fruit and not the Lord of the harvest, they talked about blessings and not the giver of all good things. Oh man, truly, this place is unreal. Have you ever been somewhere like that? Have you ever seen a Grand Canyon you ever flown over the Atlantic Ocean? I mean, have you ever seen some of those places? And I've talked with several of you who have have seen uh, the bioluminescent waters of the Caribbean and the miraculous how it's like there's neon lights under the water. Those are really, really, really cool things. To see Stone Mountain and see it jutting up out of just a regular landscape and to see this huge rock and and to understand God did all that. We talk about, oh, God bless me. My friends, I'm going to tell you, we limit our perspective of God's blessings. Anybody get up this morning and have to really concentrate on breathing? If you did, you're already breathing before you ever thought about it because of God's blessings. Talk's cheap. Make sure that the words you use are words that lift up Jesus. And notice this. Look in verse 28 and 29. Nevertheless. Now, God told Moses... Moses told them, go. They said, okay. They went. They came back and said, yes, it's great. Everything seemed to be on track, right? We seem to be doing good. Our numbers are coming back. People are are, are getting more active in things. Our ministry teams are, are getting in place and beginning to work. Things are great. And it would be a perfect time to say nevertheless. This is the most dangerous thing that could happen. They said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the giants, by the way. He tells them, or they tell him, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. You say, well, Moses told them to come tell them. Yes, but what they were saying is, hey, yes, it's great. Yes, it's wonderful. Nevertheless, they're too strong. We can't do that. We can't go into public school. It's too strong of a foothold. The laws. Tell that to the Christian Learning Center who's been doing it for five years. Listen, tell it to the person who couldn't read until they started 
trying because of their faith in Christ and they'd taught themselves to read through a Bible. Tell that to a church in Guatemala that has no resources but are winning their world to Christ. My friends, there are no neverthelesses in the kingdom of God. There's, is there anything too big for God? Just answer that. God's too, there's nothing too strong for God. They're too entrenched. They've been there forever. God said, what did I tell you? Now, he doesn't say it here, but God told him, I will get rid of them and give you victory on every hand. And it was only when they capitulated their authority and power that God allowed those others to win. That is the fight in the world today over that piece of land. My friends, they said it's, they're too entrenched. They're too big. They're giants. Oh, we think they're too smart. There's too many. Oh, the excuses continually. It's easy to find an excuse. But you ain't got to sit around and dream it up when you just simply say, Lord, may you be praised. I'm going with God. No neverthelesses. But then even that, look in chapter 14. So they come back whining and crying. It's to this, to this, to this. He said in 14.1, so all the congregation. Now this was just 10 of the 12 spies who brought a bad report. So we didn't bring a bad report. We told you how good it looked. Everything was great. We just said there's too many and they're too big and they're too smart. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. All the children of Israel complained. They complained about Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Has anybody ever told you, be careful what you ask for, you might get it? Oh, this was a dangerous thing to say. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Now they've prayed over and over, we're going to die without water. We're going to die without food. And now they said it had been better to die. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and the children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said one to another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Now, Last week, if I'm not correct, they tried getting another leader, didn't they? And how did that work out? My friends, don't be a hater. When God is leading others, join them. Don't stand in opposition to the move of God in people's lives. Because listen, louder usually isn't smarter. I was always taught that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Either that or it just burns the spindle up. And sometimes people think, well, if I can just talk louder, then I can impose my will on other people. Block out the noise, church. Louder usually isn't smarter. Just isn't. A majority isn't necessarily better. This goes back to our original statement. You know, if everybody's doing it, does that mean it's all right? Sixty-something million. You know what's sad is I have to update that number. 
It was just two years ago, I said 55 million babies aborted since Roe v. Wade. Now it's 62 million. And now we have a current president who's trying to pass an executive order to send more of our tax dollars to not only allow it to happen in America, but to pay for it in countries all over the world. You tell me that's not a move of Satan? Majority isn't necessarily better. You say, but nobody likes me and they all do this at school and they all go to the, uh, to the bars in college and they all go down to the lake and they don't go to Sunday school and they think I'm this for that. Listen, stand up before the Lord because when the sun sets on your life, that's what matters. And listen to this pastor who has been preaching for 37 years years and has preached hundreds and hundreds of funerals who has stood at the bedside of many family members, loved ones, and friends as they drew their last breath who I've come in when they called the family in and they shared when we prayed and I've yet to ever hear one person say, you know what, I wished I'd have been more popular. I wish that I would have done what everybody else was doing. No, not one time. But what I hear is, preacher, I wish I would have trusted the Lord and served him more. I wish I would have been a better leader to my family. I wish I'd have read my Bible more and told more people about Jesus. My friends, backward, backwards, always leads to bondage. They said, let us go back to Egypt. Isn't it amazing how when we look backward, it seems to look better than it did while we were there? The truth is, Egypt was torment. Egypt was mentally defeating. Egypt was to be temporary. And now they want to go back. Listen, God brings us through some trials and tribulations, but it came to pass, and God wants us to move forward. And then we must stand up. We must stand up. Look back in chapter 13, verse 30. My hero of the Old Testament. Now, how many did I say percentage-wise is unchurched in Evans County? Roughly 80%. Guess how many spies brought a bad report? 80%. If you look on our church rolls, and I mentioned about the 1,000 on our church rolls, roughly 1,000, we have basically 20% who attend on any form of regular basis. Some have titled this, I believe James Maxwell called it, the Pareto Principle, where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. My friends, I want you to understand, it is time for all of God's people to stand up and be counted. He said in verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up, not only go up, but let us go up at once. 
and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land to which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Yeah, but God's people ain't got there yet. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Oh, man. Listen, stand up. And we stand when we know who we're following. Right? When we know that God is out in front of us, it's a lot easier to stand. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Even when you can't see him, he's there. When you can't feel him, he's there. When it feels like he's a million miles away, is God's word true or not? If it's true, then God said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And if it's not true, he's a liar and he's not God. And all of this is a waste of our time. Know who you're following. Know who you are in Christ. Caleb didn't care. Caleb didn't care who else stood with him. Caleb was going to do right because it was right. Philip Jensen, an apologist out of New Zealand, said, Christians make decisions based on the rightness of the action, not the outcome. We do not believe in situational ethics. We do not make decisions for what is best for the most people. We make decisions based on what does God say? Know who you are in Christ. Know that people are at stake. They're watching and listening. Look in chapter 14. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through... To spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the, if the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. My friends, the whole congregation was watching to see what those spies would say. I don't know the exact amount of time in years, but they spent a lot more time in the wilderness than they had to because 10 men were not faithful and because they listened to the majority. Two men said, it's not bad, it's good. And God will go before us and God will remove their protection. Listen, know that people are at stake. They're watching and listening. And then you need to know who you're leading. They were leading God's people. You're leading your family. You're leading your neighbors. You're leading your community. We need to know. And then we need to know how to lead. We need to first, as we've said, we need to know who we're following. And when we knew, we'll know how to lead. Do what God said do. Go where God said go. Take what God said take. And be 
everything God's called you to be as they come to the instruments this morning. Listen, my friends. It's got to be a very clear, conscious, spiritual decision. I am going forward, not reverse. I will not back up into bondage. I will not retreat from the fight that God has me in. People are watching. People need the Lord. I'm going forward with Christ. I'm going forward at Eastside and following and leading as God has called me. I'm going to be active in the women's ministry, active in the men's ministry. I'm going to help with children. I'm going to help with Sunday school. We're going to come together and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Those of you who are in the congregation, not this one, but the one in this text, that still questions the whole validity of it. They were, they were Hebrew children, but not spiritual giants. They were unbelievers. They were just along for the ride. Some of you are just along for the ride. You're here because it's the thing to do. Maybe to get your family off your back, your husband off your back, your wife off your back your parents off your back. But the truth is, you need a real relationship with Jesus Christ that will only come when you surrender your life to Him. So I just don't know what, what it'll look like. and it may cost, Yeah, it may cost you all your friends. It may cost a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you what it won't cost. It will not cost you your life of hanging on the cross because Jesus did that for you. You know out of all those 12 and all of that congregation, there were only two men that left Egypt 40 years later, got to go into that promised land. And Moses and Aaron were not them. It was Caleb and Joshua. The only two men over the age of 21 that left Egypt that made it into the promised land because they were faithful. They went forward. What will your life look like in a year from now? Five years from now? Ten years from now? If the Lord's not come back, will everybody know you are a believer in Christ that has constantly went forward in His power and His authority? If that is your answer, I want to be on mission for God. I want to move forward with Christ. I want to trust Him as my Savior. I want to be obedient to the one who loves me and be baptized and let the world know He saved me. Whatever you need to do, join the church, whatever, stand and come this morning. Stand and come to Christ. Come to Him without hesitation.